episode one cocktails and scenes what's up y'all here with wayne my name is will um and we are here to talk about movies um wayne and i are co-workers that's about as far as our work conversation is gonna go but um, (laughs) let's leave it there it's saturday yeah that's it um but wayne and i uh both share a love of movies we I think got to talking about movies. He saw this 007 poster in the back, Dr. No, and I think mm. we, we started from there, hit it off, and uh, we both love movies, so that's what we're here to talk about. We will cover a variety of things on this podcast, episodes about genres, individual movies, individual actors, actresses. Um, we'll be talking about it all, and i um, excited for the tens of you to listen to all this so yeah that's great all nine of you are gonna be super excited for our next episode hi mom how are you um yeah (laughs) (laughs) your mom you got your mom to listen to this Um, my mom is gonna be the number one fan for sure she's she's such a we'll take it yeah i'll take it yeah michelle (laughs) i'm glad you're listening (laughs) so um so today we are going to talk about rom-coms but uh before we do um this episode this podcast is called cocktails and scenes so we're gonna be drinking cocktails every podcast absolutely so and we're planning on recording mostly on saturday morning so we're drinking 10 a.m beers yeah wayne what you drinking well uh since this is a uh an episode about romance and love and uh comedy i uh chose chaos emerald by Lone Pine, uh, a brewery out of Portland, Maine, that makes excellent beers. Um, this one's a uh, double IPA, which is one of their stronger brews. So how about you, Will? What are you rocking this morning? I am going with Maine beers, too. I, Because of it being episode one and because of you and I's friendship, I am drinking a Maine beer. Our company is based out of Portland, Maine. We're now fully remote, but... I am drinking Gunner's Daughter by Mass Landing. Um, oh, I love that beer. It's love that beer. so good. Um, probably my favorite stout made. It's a milk stout, um, peanut butter, coffee, chocolate. And it's uh, when I first went up to interview with the company is when I discovered this beer. And I had it up in Maine. And they just recently started selling it down here. And it actually goes pretty quick off the shelves. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm but sure. it's uh, it's a delicious beer. If you haven't tried it, try it. It's fantastic. Everyone who I recommend it to ends up loving it, and it's an excellent beer. Excellent. All right. So rom-coms, we figure sometimes we'll try to play into seasonality and what's going on. So we're close to Valentine's Day, so we decided we'd start off and show our softer sides and talk yeah, about rom-coms. Bunch of sweeties we Bun- are. Bunch, bunch of, of sweeties. sweeties. Yeah. So how this works is we will we're going to go through our top five rom-coms and then um, Wayne and I have each picked a individual topic to talk about. And then we'll end the episode with what we're calling bottom of the barrel. We're going to pick our worst rom-com and then we'll send you all on your merry ways. So top five rom-coms, Wayne, you can kick it off. Number five. All right. So in general, I think uh, rom-coms are a little... uh, overdone a lot of times For but sure. in a way they are uh, they're a lot of fun to watch i think that you know if you find the right mix uh of chemistry between the main actors and agree uh, a good director um 
and just a really like it can be the most simplest story but in the end you just you'll just fall in love with the movie just because of the chemistry for sure Um, it's a genre that's like admittedly not my cup of tea entirely i do obviously love some of them but completely agree it's so reliant on the leads like so reliant on the leads um but yeah it's interesting and we'll talk about a little bit more later when i have my topic about like what movies we put in this and i'm Mm -hmm. interested to see if you have movies that maybe i don't define as romantic comedies or vice versa absolutely it was a tough one to like start off with it was a tough one for me to number one narrow down my favorite five but also narrow down movies where i'm like is that a rom-com like right i asked lauren my wife a bunch like what do you think about this movie do you think it's a rom-com or no (laughs) and i know uh, you kind of have to have that second person's opinion yeah because there's so many so many genres out there that can cross yeah and you'll you'll end up you know having two or three topics that are main plot points that you're like i don't even know how to define this movie because it has so many plot points exactly yeah we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that later i i was actually on the phone with my sister last night too talking about it and we definitely had like different opinions on a lot of movies if it's a rom-com or not so um we'll get there but kick off the list what do you got at five yeah okay so number five for me i went as hard as you could on a Mm rom-com and chose how to lose a guy in 10 days Ooh! all right all right all right (laughs) all right all right right. (laughs) so there's a lot of reasons i do love this movie yeah this uh was filmed in 2003 so i was like year i graduated high school yeah um and uh it was directed by donald petrie who um you will know him for his work on Miss Congeniality, Grumpy Old Men. Uh, his first notable feature was um, Mystic Pizza. Ooh, Lauren just had that on the other day. <laughs> it's a like, classic, man. Yeah, I always think of whenever I see it, there's a line in Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson, like they're talking about Julia Roberts and Ron Swanson goes, yeah. is that the toothy girl from Mystic Pizza? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but nice. yeah how to lose a guy in 10 days you know um notable cast in this movie uh for of course, sure. kate hudson and matthew mcconaughey for sure uh, i think you know going back to what i said about chemistry in movies i think rom-coms yeah those two main actors have got to have a perfect chemistry for it to work and for these sure. two do i yep. mean you can just you just kind of want to be best friends with both of them <laughs> yeah or like be a couple friend with them because sure. they're just like like they both have parts of the movie where it uh, symbolizes how good of a character they actually have, even though on the surface they're doing this like crazy bet about who can lose the other. Yeah. And uh, but both have like recognizable points uh, in the story where they're like, oh, my God, these people are actually like super nice, just good people. Yeah. And uh, I think both Kate and Matthew pull that off really well. Yeah, that's that's a good one. It's definitely, I mean, romantic comedy 101 right there for sure. It's not on my list, but I do like the movie. Um, McConaughey is obviously great. Kate Hudson has had a very disappointing career, I feel like, because I think she's good. Um, but yeah. like after Almost Famous and then she did this and like a couple other rom-coms, she really doesn't do much anymore. She no. may even be retired. Um, 
Yeah. She, she doesn't do a lot. So her career no. has kind of been a little bit disappointing because I do think she's good. Obviously, her and Almost Famous is incredible. But Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And McConaughey is, is great. He's obviously, um, you know, was in that point of his career was doing just rom-com after rom-com. Oh, I know. Like, this was yeah. pre-Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, like, yeah. Matthew yeah. McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's good. That's a good pick. And obviously, you know, if we if you go down that road, I think we kind of are in line with what we're defining as romantic comedies. But absolutely. absolutely. So, so uh, what's your number five? What my number got? five is as romantic comedy as you get to the proposal. Oh. <laughs> I love this okay. movie. Um, I right. just I rewatch it this week. I didn't rewatch all of my top five movies, but I did rewatch this one. It screams romantic comedy to me. Um, I did write in my notes that I am biased because of my love for Sandy Bullock. Um, <laughs> Sandy Bully. Sandy Bully. There is no doubt Wayne and I will have a Sandy Bully episode because we are both mm. huge fans. I think yeah, she's the best fan. looking woman on the planet, probably. And she only outside gets, of Lauren, of course. Outside of Lauren. Nice job. Thanks, Dave. Um, so Sandy Bullock uh, and Ryan Reynolds, great crem- great chemistry. Obviously, two fantastic leads. Um, Sandy Bullock is my number one crush and I would probably not have this movie on my list if it wasn't for her. So I'm admitting some bias there. They actually wanted Julia Roberts to play the role. And if she was in it, this probably wouldn't be on my list, but I love the movie. It's so campy romantic comedy, but it's, it's fun. It's a quick watch. Um, the cast is great. Like supporting cast is Betty White, Craig T. Nelson coach. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Mary Steenburgen's in it too. Um, the director actually hasn't done much. Um, Ann Fletcher is her name. She's done Step Up. She's done Twenty Seven Dresses. She's done The Guilt Trip, and she does some episodes of This Is Us. Um, the guy who wrote it is named Peter Shirelli. He hasn't done much either, but he did do Crazy Rich Asians, which is a great movie, which I like a lot oh, too. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. which was great. which was good. But the proposal is great. Um, really, really love the like we said, chemistry with the leads and Sandy Bullock. So can't beat it for me. Absolutely, and you really can't go wrong with Ryan Reynolds. I think that any anytime he's in a comedy, he just elevates everyone else. Yeah, he's in the role. he's he's definitely got a lot of charisma. I mean, I I have a hard time now thinking of him as anything other than Deadpool. I know uh, it's he's, hard. Yeah, he's so perfect for that role. Like, I know he's so perfect for that. And but he's he's great in this. Uh, it's funny because Sandy Bullock is getting deported uh, because she's Canadian, and in real life, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian and she's American. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, that's funny. It's uh, it's campy, it's cheesy, it's guilty pleasure, admittedly. Um, but it's my number five. All right, I like it. It's a good number five. We both have really like campy starts to this. I know this we're list. showing our soft sides quick. <laughs> Absolutely, all the macho bros are going to be making fun of us real quick. <laughs> I might turn it around. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> uh, but uh, number four for me uh, is Fifty First States Ooh. with Adam Sandler and yep. Drew Barrymore. Love it. Oh yeah. Um, if you remember the plot, it's, uh, Henry is afraid of commitment and, you know, it's always funny to see Adam Sandler in those kind of roles where he's supposed to be like the ladies man. For sure. The heartbreaker. For sure. And, uh, he ends up, uh, meeting Lucy, uh, Drew Barrymore, who, um, has a condition that she can't remember 
anything longer than 24 hours. So every time she goes to sleep, uh, she forgets that previous day. And what I find to be the most romantic part of this movie is the fact that Henry continues to try and win her love on first dates over and over and over again. So, uh, came out in 2004. Uh, the director was Peter Siegel. Uh, he's a classic comedy director. It makes yeah. sense to me yeah. that he, that I liked this movie and put it on here as a romantic comedy, uh, because his other work includes, you know, anger management, Tommy boy, yeah, uh, right. which kind of funny trivia piece here is that, uh, Lucy visits the, uh, clinic, uh, that Dan Aykroyd is the head doctor of, and ah. the, the clinic is called Callahan, Callahan. Institute. Yep. 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 Cammy yep. Carpart. <laughs> oh, that's a little bit more boss than yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, that's I great. I make car parts for the American people. That's a big <laughs> By the way, R.I.P. Uh, Tom Sr., Brian Dennehy, who is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And Tommy Boy there. Yeah. That's a great one. I mean, 51st Dates is. Uh, Obviously, the second Sandler, Barrymore. I think they've done three or four now together. Um, yes. Started yeah, with The Wedding absolutely. Singer. So Lauren and I actually had this conversation. Um, we talked about The Wedding Singer, which I love, and I did not include as a romantic comedy. Um, oh, I didn't either. I had it as my alternate. So yeah, I had funny. The Wedding Singer. Um, but Fifty First Dates, I would say, is the romantic comedy. I also didn't include The Wedding Singer because – I think we're going to talk about Adam Sandler as his own genre almost. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But Fifty First Dates, if there's anyone that goes into that romantic comedy with Sandler, it's definitely that. It's definitely rewatchable. It just came on Netflix maybe a couple months ago, and we watched it. Um, oh, yeah. My yeah, favorite plus. part of Fifty First Dates is Sean Astin's character with the lisp, who's the big Vikings fan. <laughs> I was about to say, man. Jim, so, Klein, like, Jim Kleinthether, he says. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> He's he, uh, I mean, like all Sandler movies, like the the really stand out are his extra characters that For he sure. puts on the side. Yeah, you know, the, it's, like Steve, it's always yeah, like Steve Buscemi, Alan Cover, all those guys. Exactly. Rob Schneider, yeah. yeah, Rob Schneider, you know, yeah. and I think Rob Schneider's Ula character in this movie is just, yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah. you can't get more crazy than this old surfing local with one eye and ten kids. Great, like <laughs> it's yeah. just so good. But yeah, I mean, you, you, that's that kind of to me makes a you know a good formula for an Adam Sandler movie is you got Adam Sandler right in the middle of this insane cast around him of just crazy characters, and he seems the most normal one. Yep. Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of the norm. Yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely, totally. Um, so number four, I went sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> nice, nice. I was wondering if this was going to come up on the list. Uh, yeah. So Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, the first of two big 90s rom-coms they did, right? Obviously, Sleepless in Seattle. And then You've Got Mail. Um, I like this one significantly better than You've Got Mail. We actually watched both this week, Lauren and I. Um, nice. So Sleepless in Seattle, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Tom Hanks is a widower who... Uh, moves to Seattle on a whim. His son calls a talk show looking for a new mom for his his dad. Um, Meg Ryan's character uh, Annie listens to it and uh, becomes enamored with this story and and Tom Hanks and it's a pretty interesting movie because the two leads actually don't have any scenes together um, until the 
really? almost the last scene, which is on the Empire uh, State Building, the top of the Empire State Building. They do. She does go to Seattle once, and and he sees her in the airport quick. He sees her in the street, but they don't really talk. So it's actually they have more lines together in the first 30 seconds they spend on screen and you've got mail than they do in the entire movie of Sleepless in Seattle. Wow, that's a good piece of trivia. Right? Yeah, like it, it's it's interesting. So this is written and directed by Nora Ephron, who's like romantic com- comedy royalty. She did this. Yeah, you've got totally mail. <laughs> you've got mail. Harry met Sally. Like, I mean, yep. those three alone just yep. screams romantic comedy. Um, so. Um, she passed away, but she obviously, you know, put her her stamp and Absolutely. legacy on on this genre. So, Sleepless in Seattle, number four. That's a great pick. I do love Sleepless in Seattle. I mean, it's like the two most lovable characters at that point in time, uh, or yeah. two most lovable actors at that point in time. For sure. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Like that is just two of the most good people yeah meg ryan <laughs> i mean they're both so likable and you oh, know yeah. who's also great in the movie is the kid tom hanks's son is so great in it mm. he's super good in it so um his wife is actually in it uh too rita wilson's in it um plays his sister oh um, yeah yeah but um yeah it's uh like i said it gets compared to you've got mail all the time obviously because tom it hanks does. meg ryan uh, and i do like right. you've got mail this is significantly better in my mind yeah i i agree i agree Totally. Um, cool. What you got? All right. So uh, numero trace for me uh, is something's got to give Ooh. starring a little ditty by Jack and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, a little outside the norm of a rom-com and, and, hey it's funny this was like it wasn't on my list it was just like i saw it a bunch and i was like i need to rewatch that movie i've only i've seen it but it's been a while i know like the premise of it but i can't remember it entirely right. so tell me about it's, it uh, yeah absolutely so uh it's main plot main storyline is harry sanborn is an aged music industry exec with like He's a kind of a playboy, you know, likes a lot of younger women and trophy girlfriends. And uh, he uh, suffers a heart attack uh, at the home of one of his flings, mother, um, Erica. And uh, they, you know, come up with this crazy thing in the story where he can't leave the house. So, you know, it ends up where Erica, who's this staunch screenwriter, playwright, you know, uh, has to basically be his caretaker while he gets better before he can go anywhere else um and so i just love like going back again to the chemistry between the actors like jack nicholson and diane keaton i mean just those two names right there alone will definitely bring me in and to see a movie keanos Um, in this one too right yeah he is he plays uh kind of another love interest kind of uh a mirroring kind of uh, scenario yeah. as uh harry's where he's into younger women um yeah. erica is given the opportunity to go kind of down that same path and date a younger handsome doctor yeah um and you know in the end they they uh oh you know i won't give it away but yeah you know 
<laughs> love blossoms everywhere. Yep. No uh, way. Something wacky <laughs> happens in the middle of a movie, and then love happens in the end. And then love happens. Oh man. my god, that sounds uh, like it, a game it changer. Did, it did. It. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a game changer for them. Um, it won uh, Golden Globe for best performance by an actress, and it was uh, nominated. Uh, for best actress and an actor for Oscar for Diane Keaton. Oh wow! Um, I mean, you know, and there's just so many funny scenes in this movie. I mean, one of my favorite is anytime you put Diane Keaton in a movie, you cannot go the entire movie without having a crying and wailing montage uh, where she turns despair into a comedic scene. Yep. Um, that's just classic Diane Keaton. I think she's done it in like every movie she's yep. been in. Um, so a uh, little fun fact about this movie is 20th, 20th Century Fox actually declined making the film, uh-huh. uh, saying that the leads were too old and it would not <laughs> it would not work as a romantic comedy those like so. uh those stories are always so great when like movie studios like say no to like et is a big one i know that like pretty much everyone said no to and then it becomes right. like the biggest yeah. thing ever uh, <laughs> and it's just like oh my god these poor people i know what, i do what, love those stories what were they thinking um not that <laughs> something's got to give is this you know multi-billion dollar franchise but still like you know it's just like <laughs> oh yeah jack nicholson can't be a lead give me a break yeah exactly yeah. exactly this is this story is not gonna work i know uh oh, all right we're getting close dude i know we're, we're we're getting there uh number three is a very new movie actually um i'm curious to see if you've seen it it is called always be my maybe I have, and oh, I've seen it several times. I adore this movie. It oh, is man. so, so good. So we watched it. It's on Netflix. Um, it's a Netflix movie. Like, it came out on Netflix. We watched it. We actually had a friend of ours that was living with us for a while, so the three of us watched it. And all three of us were just like, that was so, so good. Yeah. So Always Be My Maybe is a modern romantic comedy, I guess you can call it. Um, again, two fantastic leads Ali Wong and Randall Park, who actually both wrote the movie as well. Um, So, so likable. The movie just has so much heart. It's, you know, you can't help but smile while watching it. And it has honestly one of the hardest, one of the times I've laughed the hardest watching a movie recently is this movie, and it's with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, The Keanu (laughs) Reeves scene is so fucking funny. (laughs) And he does like one of the best jobs of like playing him, he plays himself. He plays and, himself, absolutely. Yeah, and he's, um, he's you know, obviously a parody of himself, and he's Ali Wong's love interest at the time. And the whole movie's based around Ali Wong and Randall Parker. Are, uh, they knew each other a long time ago. Everyone kind of always said they should be together. They're good friends. They kind of reconnect later in life. And like you said, love wins in the end. But at one point, she's uh, she dates Keanu Reeves, and he plays a, a parody <laughs> version of himself, which – even if you don't watch the movie, just YouTube that scene. It is so, so funny. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've seen it. I absolutely love this movie. It was on actually a lot of lists, too. Like, I, I did look up a lot of, like, best romantic comedy lists yeah, to kind of get some sure. ideas going. Yeah. And uh, very well-received movie. Um, director, I, I will try to say her name. Nanana Tachaka Khan is her name, I believe. That's my best guess. Um, she hasn't done much. She did a couple episodes of... Fresh Off the Boat, which does have Randall Park in it. So I'm sure that's how kind of that came to be. Um, But 
again, you know, kind of a generational thing. It's a different kind of romantic comedy, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But glad you've seen it because I love that movie. Yes, uh, definitely uh, a really just fun comedy, romantic comedy. Um, yeah. I think that one thing that this movie definitely did was help uh, bring into the spotlight it, kind of the Asian American culture for and, sure. Uh, and in, the, yeah, uh, in a Francisco way, area. Yeah, for sure. And in a way, I think it kind of um, got a little bit shadowed because Crazy Rich Asians was kind of close when it came out. Yes. And it kind yeah, of overshadowed absolutely. it a little bit. Um, but and they're both great. But, uh, you know, in a way, I didn't think this movie got the mainstream recognition. It could have. Um, but like I said, it, it's critically very well received and totally a great movie for, you know, watching with your girlfriend, boyfriend and really everyone's going to like it. It's. Oh, yeah. It's strongly Just recommend this fun. movie. It's great. Yep. Just a fun movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Um, all right. So we are at. Number two for me. Dose. Yes. Dose. So Dose for me uh, is Moonstruck starring. Okay. So Lauren is going to scream. Okay. So just. (laughs) Did you guys have the conversation? Is this considered a romantic? So we did. We had this exact conversation. So before you get into it, I will just say that this is like Lauren's maybe favorite movie of all time. Okay. Um, Lauren, I will try to do it justice. (laughs) Yeah, she is going to love it. I know her and her cousin Kira have seen it God knows how many times. (laughs) And she was like, well, you got to put this on your list. I was like, I like it. And, you know, we did talk about if it's a romantic comedy or not. And so interested to hear what you have to say about it. But I just can't wait to tell you the reaction just when you say the word. She's going to say, ah! just lose her mind but what do you well, got on honestly it? honestly though like moonstruck hits a lot of people's really top of the list for sure for, i mean if if people love this movie they love this movie for sure like um you know so kind of a little general uh plot is uh italian american widow loretta played by Cher. uh accepts a marriage proposal from her doltish boyfriend johnny uh, when she finds herself falling in love with his younger brother, Ronnie, Ooh. who who is played by none other than uh, Nicky Babe, old Nicolas Cage. Nominated for an uh, Oscar for this too, right? Or is uh, that Cher? Cher? That was Cher. Okay. Yes. Cher uh, did, she won uh, an Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role. And there was actually two other Oscars that uh, won Um for this film in 1987. Uh, do you know, can you guess which one of the other ones it was? Uh, definitely wasn't Best Picture. I th- it was nominated, though, for Best Picture, correct? I believe so. Um, no, Nicolas Cage in. I mean, it's got to be Supporting Actress. I don't know her name. Ooh, you're good, man. Okay, yeah, yeah. Best uh, Supporting Actress. Uh, and it was Olympia Dukakis. Uh, she was played the mother of Loretta of Cher. I don't. Let me look her up quick. Yeah, you'll recognize her as soon as you see her. Yeah, for sure. I don't. Yeah. Um, I actually don't. I, this is a, probably a movie I need to rewatch. I haven't seen it in a long time. I do remember liking it. Um, it's a 
very interesting movie. So I actually said, Lauren, I'm not defining this one as a romantic comedy because it the characters are so flawed, right? Like it's yeah. not like a perfect no, world, definitely. you yes. know what I mean? And like, yes. you know, these main characters, you know, you relate to obviously, but they are flawed people. Um, exactly. Which is refreshing I mean, to see, honestly. I love when movies do that. Um, absolutely. But yeah, definitely one I need to rewatch. But um, yeah, my big I takeaway mean, is Lauren's going to lose her mind when she hears you. Talk about this <laughs> well, you know, having been married into an Italian American family yeah. from New York, <laughs> I can say this movie borderlines a documentary. Like <laughs> the sheer amount of drama between yeah. all the characters, like you said, everyone is flawed. Yeah. Everyone in this movie is flawed or has done something that normal people would consider just uh, taboo, like yeah. you know, something you would never do in a relationship or never forgive someone for. Um, but if, you know, if you were around this, this Italian American family as as I have been over the last 10 years, you would know that this is just how they are. Yeah. Like, like I, I make fun of Nicolas Cage in this movie because he's so overdramatic. Yeah. Like, I lost my head. <laughs> it was my brother's fault. Like, yeah. he's so Nicolas Cage was overdramatic? No way. I know, right? <laughs> like, that's his par yeah. is overdramatic. But yeah. in this role as, like, this dude that's lost everything and, like, he blames the world for his problems and his brother and yeah. can't really like own up to his own mistakes. Uh, it works perfectly. Like Nicholas Cage works perfectly in this movie. Yeah. It's just crazy dude. He Nicholas um, Cage is, is obviously interesting. He's like one of the most shocking Oscar winners ever. Like if you go back and like look at Oscar winners, like Nick Cage, just like, you know, it's like, what did he win an Oscar for? One of these things is not like the other. Uh, I believe it was uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Let me double check that. But I'm pretty sure that was it. But yeah, he's uh, like I said, he's an interesting one. I can't wait to talk about Nicolas Cage one day. Have an episode about face off. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we have mentioned The Rock before. Yeah, I I totally misspoke. Uh, leaving Las Vegas, not fear and loathing. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, ah, that was Johnny Depp. I yeah. don't know if that was, yeah. but yeah, you you got it. Leaving Las Vegas, which yeah. is a, <laughs> yeah. it's a good movie. It is good. Yeah, he was nominated yeah. again after two for adaptation, but one. Oh for yeah, leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. You got to find for Nicolas Cage. It's almost like you got to find a role that fits him rather than he fits the role. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> to uh, actually for it to work out because he's such a character. Such a character. I Yeah, I have a hard time not thinking of him and thinking of uh, the Declaration of Independence. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't not think of him and not think of Welcome to the Rock. Welcome to the Rock. Welcome to the Rock. <laughs> yeah, the Rock is awesome. We will totally talk <laughs> about the Rock. Oh, yeah. But for another time, what you got for number two? Number two, I watched this, literally ended it an hour ago, and it was on the borderline of my list making it and just rewatching it. Totally some recency bias, but this movie is so good. Crazy <laughs> Stupid Love. 
Oh, okay. So, right. so I have not seen this one, so go uh, for it. Okay, so uh, it's a newer movie. Um, great cast. It's got uh, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Julianne Moore, Kevin Bacon, Marissa Tomei. Um, it has probably the worst title of any movie ever. I think it's an awful title. And <laughs> it oddly, sounds it, like, a, like a book, like honestly. Yeah. I mean, is it? Honestly, yeah. it's uh, and and they agreed actually. So there's two stories about the title um, that I, I read about this morning. One is that they didn't have a title while they were filming it, and they were offering iPads to anybody on set who could come up with a title for the movie. <laughs> oh my god! And then the second is that Carell actually still hates the title of the movie. Um, it was almost honestly the title is the reason that I would not watch it. <laughs> yeah, it is a horrible, horrible title. So the movie is all about it's one of those like intersecting story movies, you know. Um, so right. Steve Carell and Julianne Moore are getting a divorce. Um, Steve Carell goes out to a bar. Ryan Gosling is a big playboy who picks up girls all the time. And, uh, you know, teaches Carell the ways and tries to, him to, you know, get his his manship back and tries to, you know, get him to be a cool guy again. You know, the big dorky dad that Carell always is. Right. Oh yeah. So, um, Emma Stone, uh, meets Ryan Gosling at a bar, falls in love with him. Naturally. Plot twist. I mean, I would too. Exactly. So plot twist, spoiler (laughs) alert at the end, Emma Stone is actually Carell's daughter. So yeah, not a romantic comedy without, you know, hilarity ensuing and things getting no, wacky, absolutely. right? Um, yeah. But it's actually like a very serious movie too at a lot of parts. So it was, it was you know, kind of one of those, I talked about rom-coms, but I mean, if a movie's called Crazy Stupid Love, it just has to right. be in that genre, right? But, well, I'm sure that they had to explore the divorce of the main characters, yep. you know, or the separation. Yep. That's something that's deep. For yeah. sure. It's um, it's really, really good. Um, Carell does a great job as like the dorky dad. I almost feel like he's like a continuation of his character from 40 year old, 40 year old virgin. Like he's just so <laughs> this is like, yeah, yeah he's five like, years later. Exactly. <laughs> like he's that kind of guy. Like there's a joke one in the movie when Ryan Gosling's like, how many women have you slept with? And Carell goes one. And he goes, I didn't mean at a time. I meant like overall. Oh, and Carell's like, no, just one. Um <laughs> But uh, it, it, Ryan Gosling's amazing, and he actually uh, got nominated for a Golden Globe for it. Um, he is, like, just obviously super good at, like, playing the playboy and all this. Emma oh, Stone's always great. Amazing. Obviously, they did La La Land after, so they had a lot of chemistry. Um, and it's uh, – so it's directed by two guys named Glenn Fakara and John Riqua. Um, interesting, the dual director kind of – uh, format. There's it, it's actually getting bigger. Obviously, the Coen brothers are the big ones. Russo brothers did the Avengers. Uh, Phil Lord, right. Phil right. Lord, and Chris Miller are big ones now too. They did like the Jump Street movies. They did uh, the Lego movie as well. Um, so it's good modern rom com. Uh, is written by Dan Fogelman, who's like the writer and creator of This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. actually, when I was looked at all these things, like uh, the director of the proposal directed some episodes of This Is Us. So. They kind of carried that romantic comedy genre yeah, into absolutely. TV. I saw This Is Us nonstop when you know making notes about all these. But yeah, you should totally watch it. It's uh, it's such a great movie, such a great cast. Carell is unbelievable because he, for someone who plays a role as prominent as Michael Scott, I can see him and not see Michael Scott, which is very very tough to do. Right. right. Like we, 
I was watching the proposal has Oscar from the office and he's like a running gag throughout the movie. And yeah. he's like in the town. He, he has like nine jobs throughout the town. You just keep seeing him like do like different jobs <laughs> I love in the that. town. Yeah. And I couldn't see, I couldn't unsee him as Oscar. Um, I was just like, Oh, that's Oscar from the office the whole time. Carell for Michael Scott being as famous as he is and as great as he is in that role he does these roles where I can unsee him as Michael Scott, which is very tough to do with a character like that. It um, is. It is. I mean, he defined that character for sure. Yeah. And like, even now we are, uh, we're watching a, uh, Brian Cranston show is a new show on Showtime that he's in. And I have a hard time not seeing Walter White. <laughs> so it's, it's <laughs> Again, tough to do another yeah, ca- character defining. Yeah. Uh, and, and Brian Cranston's great, but it's so, so, so tough to do when you have this like career defining role that people just see you in to have people not see you as that. Um, and I just think about The Office. Like, I just watched another movie that had Phyllis from The Office in it. Yeah. And I was just like, that's Phyllis. Like, okay, this is <laughs> Phyllis. But I know. But he does a great job of, of getting away from that, which is, it, it's very hard to do. So. Uh, big Carell fan. He's he's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, and he has the range. Yeah. You know, I mean, people kind of know Carell as, like you said, as Michael Scott, yep. um, as uh, Brick, Brick, Brick Tamlin. Yep. Um, <laughs> loud noises. Loud noises. And that's kind of, you know, I mean, like, I think of Steve Carell, and that's actually the first thought that comes to my head is Brick Tamlin, because I think that was pretty much the first time I ever really saw you know, yeah, Steve Carell in a role was yeah. an anchorman, and uh, but he's definitely come such a long way since then. For I sure. mean, some some of the uh, the more dramatic roles he's taken on, yeah, uh, lately. Uh, Have you ever seen uh, Dan in Real Life with him? Yes, I love that yeah. movie. We yeah, we that talked w- about that. I almost put it on the list. It's kind of a little too serious, I think. To I think so too. To be yeah. included here, yeah. but he's great. He's that that movie's very very good. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I really want to see the one with uh, him and Timothy uh, Chalamet. Oh, you guys see uh, it. It's Timoth- beautiful Boy. Yeah, yeah beautiful it's boy. so, so yes. good. We love that movie. Um, you and I, I'm sure, will have a lot of Chalamet talk. We're big fans. Oh, I mean. We're, we're big fans. Super big fans of love, Timothy. Love you, Timothy. Yes. I love you, Tim Tim. My, I call him Tim Tim. I'm growing my hair out to be have my hair be 50 percent as good looking as yours as well he just can't not look good it's incredible he does it's right. stupid he's incredible he is oh my god he can be on a desert planet with <laughs> giant worms <laughs> that and just hair come out incredible like yep. feathered god like he's i'm about to just step on stage right now <laughs> and just kill it uh, we Incredible promise you hair. this is not a podcast about Timothy Chalamet's hair, but <laughs> we could not do a spinoff. We could do a spinoff about it for sure. Mm. The only reason we would run out of content is just because of uh, the lack that he hasn't been able to put out any new movies in the last I year. Know. So <laughs> I know. I know we're both anxiously waiting for Dune. Absolutely. <laughs> anxiously waiting. Um, well, dude, we have reached the final the pinnacle the pinnacle the number big one. cheese numero the uno big chi. i uh and uh, my number one is uh it's some it's a movie that i like treasure really close to my heart it's mm. uh it's one of my wife and i's favorite movies to watch together yeah. um 
So, of course, I'm going to, like, drop this on uh, Valentine's Day rom-com podcast. But uh, it happened one night. All right. And, uh, this came out in 1934. Uh, and the director is Frank Capra. And I don't really think, do I need to, like, list off Frank Capra? But I will. It's a Wonderful Life war propaganda movies all through the 40s um mr smith goes to washington yeah um i mean you can't talk enough about frank capra um i think personally frank capra was a little little bit narcissistic and (laughs) yeah a little bit of a womanizer yeah but different times different times um and it, it you know definitely like you can research a lot of uh projects yep. with frank capra and dig into that but yeah um we won't go that far uh we'll we'll say you know strictly to his professional side um so it happened one night it's a black and white movie yep. uh 1934 um so ellie andrews uh who is played by the uh wonderful claudette colbert um, has just tied the knot with a society aviator, King Wesley, when she is whisked away to her father's yacht and out of the king's clutches. Uh, Ellie jumps ship and eventually winds up on a bus headed back to her husband. Uh, reluctantly, she must accept the help of a out-of-work reporter named Peter. Uh, and actually, Peter doesn't give her any choice. Um, he either kind of like blackmails into her into coming along with him um and uh all like underlying he's helping to get the you know major scoop for his newspaper story um so of course uh clark gable and claudette colbert are the main actors the main players in this movie yep um this was the very first movie to have a clean sweep at the Oscars. Oh, wow. Uh, it won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Writing uh, by Robert Riskin. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's just so much. This is, this is why I love this movie a little bit. It's because it's so complicated. It's, yeah. It comes from a time when there were a lot of new things going on in Hollywood. They were trying, experimenting with a lot of new genres. You know, the 30s gave them an opportunity to really, like, branch out. Um, and uh, they had the talent. They had the talent there. They had a great story. And Frank Capra, of course, as directing. So they had all the key players in place. But yep. if you read through the biography on this movie, it was a disaster. Like, it... <laughs> yeah. It was uh, Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert didn't really like each other a whole lot. Um, Claudette Colbert actually really did not like Frank Capra either. Um, That's the only reason that all these people were there was because uh, Columbia um, had Clark Gable on loan from MGM because... MGM was punishing him for his affair with Joan Crawford. Yes. <laughs> so he drama. I know, dude. So much drama on the yeah. backside. Those are always stories I love too. Are like on set, like people like hate each other. Like I oh, think of. Man, I know, other. like everybody um, on set hated Catherine Heigl on Knocked Up. Like Seth Rogen yeah. absolutely hated her. And those are always interesting stories of like they are film these movies together and obviously you know they're there to make money so 
but exactly yeah. but you know in the right circumstance which is i think what it happened one night has yeah. uh it it makes for a very very important chemistry to the to the uh to the whole story because these two people in the movie pretty much most of the way through hated each other they yeah. didn't they were exact opposites she was a rich spoiled uh you know innocent uh, girl who just wanted what she wanted and uh, didn't have any realization of the repercussions of life. And then you have this guy named Peter who he, uh, he, you know, he, he was basically run on the, you know, ran on the streets and he knew all this stuff and uh, all the street knowledge and could take care of himself and was out for himself. And um, the, uh, you know, the, the screenplay didn't really lend itself very well to the development of their love yeah. <laughs> because one minute they hate each other. And then the next minute, Oh my God. Okay. They're getting, yeah, yes. They yeah. love each other now. Yeah. Got it. Um, but, uh, but I think that the chemistry between these two actors, the fact that they were very opposite people and didn't really like working together played so well into this. And, yep. you know, I mean, I can just to, just to wrap this up, like, I mean, as much as I, as much as I love this movie, like, I mean, the two people together, the chemistry between the two directed by Capra, it becomes the most lovable part of the film. Like yep. part of the charm of it happened one light night lies in the chemistry between the two leading actors. Each one plays the opposite so well that it makes perfect sense in the end that they're exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. So just love that movie. Well, I didn't have a lot to chime in because I have never seen this movie. Um, <laughs> I generally, and I've I've tried to get better about it. I generally have like not watched movies that are pre like nineteen seventy, um, gotcha. which I need to get better at. And I think that's actually going to be a good thing for this podcast because I think you have seen a lot more of those movies than I have. Um, I yes, thanks I, to my dad and his obsession with TCM, I have seen for sure. That's awesome, though. Yeah, I I mean, I've definitely seen some, and definitely have you know seen obviously the uh you know ones that are on a bunch of movie lists and whatnot. Well, but, yeah, of course, the top. Yeah, but there's uh, there's definitely some recency bias in my love of movies, and um, not so much as like I won't watch a movie from like 1980 or even the 70s, but. Um, when you get a little earlier than that, I think I, I've definitely missed some some big ones, and this this is one of them. I saw this movie on a bunch of lists too, um, and I know it's oh, yeah. incredibly incredibly loved and, and popular. I have a hard time sometimes with with old black and white movies too, admittedly. But honestly, if the content is there, it's I'm sure it's great. Um, oh yeah, people. Love no, it. I mean, yeah, absolutely, and I I think that. Uh you know, it's even, I have to be in a mood. Like, you yeah, know, I have to be like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm down for a, a classic black and white because rainy Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Maybe. You have to take, yeah. you have to take it down a level of your, uh, like instant gratification because yeah. it's such a long, it's such a slow burn in yeah. those movies. You have to, you know, everything takes longer. Yeah. Cuts have gotten shorter. Cuts have gotten shorter, more, um, techniques have been implemented more visual yeah. effects like all of these things so when you're watching a black and white movie you concentrate on more human elements uh relationships between the characters um 
you know, the the dynamic theme of the entire movie and how it plays into the the time frame. Uh, and you just look for other things, you know, because you, you don't have the visual effects that we have yep. nowadays. Yep. All right. Well, my number one is uh, if you looked at movie lists and, like, best rom-coms, you probably saw this movie at the top of pretty near all of them. It's a very cliche answer. I don't care. It's a great, great movie. It is <laughs> cliche is good. It is when Harry met Sally. Um, this. Oh movie, my god. <laughs> this movie <laughs> is like, forget the genre. It's just a great movie. It is just a great, great movie. Um, again, we've you know hammered this to death, but leads. So another Meg Ryan movie, second Meg Ryan rom-com I've got on this list, but Billy Crystal and her are excellent. Um, I love Billy Crystal. He's had an interesting career. Um, he doesn't do he too definitely much. has. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do too much anymore. Like, I feel like he's almost best known for, like, being an Oscars host now. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, this movie, City Slickers, and, like, hosting the Oscars, I feel like is what he's best I, I feel like he had his time. Like, yeah. Billy Crystal had his time. That yeah. was good. I mean, when he was when he was in his prime, he was in his prime. For, for sure. He still does something. Uh, he does the Monsters, Inc. movies, obviously. And um, he did a movie last year, I think, that was received very well. I haven't seen it. It's uh, him and Ben Schwartz, who I like a lot, um, did a movie together. Um, ben Schwartz plays, like, John Ralphio on Parks and Rec. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. They did a movie yep. together. It was supposed to be very good. I haven't seen it. But, yeah, he doesn't do too much. But he's so, so good in this movie. Um, this movie is directed by Rob Reiner, um, supposedly based a lot off of his life. Um, the man, the best the man. Rob Reiner. So good. Um, again, this is written by Nora Ephron. We mentioned her earlier, the queen of romantic comedies. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Rob Reiner. Um, I absolutely love him. We will absolutely do a Rob Reiner episode. Um, Rob Reiner directed my favorite movie of all time, uh, A Few Good Men. And yes, and he also directed one of my favorite movies of all time, which is This is Spinal Tap. So Awesome movie. So listen <laughs> to this run of Rob Reiner. This is from 86 to 95. 1986, Stand By Me. 1987, The Princess Bride. 1989, When Harry Met Sally. 1990, Misery, Stephen King, Kathy Bates movie. 92, A Few Good Men. He does this movie in 94 called North. I haven't seen it or really even heard of it. It has Elijah Wood. I read some reviews. It didn't get too well-reviewed, actually. But So one miss in there, and then 95, he comes back with The American President. So that oh, run is classic. like unprecedented. Stand By Me, yeah. Princess Bride, Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, American President. Like all within you know a nine-year span like that is insane um and like you said spinal tap uh what yeah year, that's like what that was his, that was his first uh feature i believe I was uh, 1984 84 85 yeah. yeah he's uh he's so great um i love him as an actor too like he is hilarious he's obviously a great director he knows how to play himself up like he knows where he fits into character roles. Yeah, he knows that he's like the just the guy that's on the side that's very logical and just very you know, 
Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah, you're totally right with him as an actor. He he picks these like very specific roles. Like I he does because he, he knows what he, yeah. he what he plays. Yeah, yeah, and they're very like small roles most of the time. Like he's um, he's in Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I'm looking at his IMDb now. What is he's? Oh, he's the doctor in uh, Bye Bye Love, which is actually a great romantic comedy. And he's also uh, <laughs> that is a good one. He's in uh, Sleepless in Seattle, which I mentioned yep. earlier. He's uh, he's Tom Hanks's buddy who talks to him at the bar, and uh, he tells him to uh, what's the food that he he says uh, tiramisu. He goes, yep. he's Tom Hanks is talking about love, and he goes tiramisu, and Tom Hanks is like, I don't know what it is, and Tom Hanks is, thinks it's like a sex move or something. <laughs> <Tiramisu>. <laughs> he's like, Yeah, when you're dating now, all you need to know is tiramisu. Um, oh, Tom Hanks and your innocent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, Tom Hanks, so Tom Hanks almost was cast in When Harry Met Sally. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, my I, God. That would have been a game changer. I know. Would have been, been different. Totally would have been different. a trio of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movies. And uh, I love Tom Hanks. I'm glad it was not him. Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal is so relatable in this movie. This movie is so real life. Like, you hear about this movie and like people talk about it with like rom-coms and like before I even saw it, I just thought it was like a gimmicky silly movie. It's actually like yeah. very real life. It's, it is, it it's is very real super, life. super relatable. It's super like, you know, relationships are complicated friendships and how when sex gets involved and how complicated that can make things. And it is, it's a super, super relatable movie. Um, I'm so glad they that Billy Crystal stayed in it because he's so quick-witted. He actually, like, when I was watching it and the way he talked, it reminded me of how Downey Jr. talks as Tony Stark. He's got, <laughs> like, this quick wit, like, always yeah, ready for much. a joke, always got a comeback, like, so snarky at the same time, but, like, super likable. You can just oh, tell, yeah. like, how intelligent he is when he talks. Um, so... It was uh, Albert Brooks was almost cast too um, after Tom Hanks, and I could kind of see Albert Brooks doing this at this a point a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm I'm so glad they stuck with him, and obviously Meg Ryan. Um, Meg Ryan uh, was originally offered to Molly Ringwald to play Sally, um, which again not a good choice. Like I'm so glad they landed. With not Meg a Ryan. good choice, and it's so easy to say that after the fact. I feel like anytime you like a movie like you're never like oh yeah i could have seen that person play it too like you're just like no this is the movie so this yeah. person had to play this role but usually with, it's it's curiosity like, yeah oh i would have loved to have seen that person play that, mo- that for role sure in that movie for yeah. sure and but like she's uh, molly ringwald would have made it like this movie go more in line with those like 80s teen comedies and when it's totally this is not what it was right so exactly well i mean she was you know the 80s princess like yep. it would have taken on a different role as this person that uh, you saw in the eighties as this icon of teen to grow up. And this is what it would have been like if she was grown up, you know, you could have never taken, I don't think you would have ever taken Sally as Sally if Molly Ringwald was in it. Yeah. Apparently Meg Ryan was like begging for this role. Like it, be- it like, suited her perfectly. Yeah, it, it suited was, her perfectly. This role was perfect for Meg Ryan. Yeah, like I said, I love Sleepless in Seattle. I like her in You've Got Mail, but this is her best performance by far in any of those movies. She's perfect for oh, this. Absolutely. They are so likable. Like honestly, I mean, they obviously get together in the very end of the movie, 
but they're when they're just friends in that middle part of the movie and like they're yeah. going when to, it's starting to turn around uh, like, it's so good like when they're in the museum yeah. and they're doing that like weird accent to each other and it's <laughs> such a funny scene it's just how you talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's so good it that whole scene i guess was like uh crystal i read one thing that crystal like improvised one line in it i forget what one it was and Meg Ryan like looked at Rob Reiner and you can like tell on screen that she's yeah, like looking you can at the tell director on screen. and he's like, she's yeah, no, go. keep going. Like this is so yeah, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the best. It's the funniest part of the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, you'll see it at the top of every list. It's a total cliche answer, but it's cliche for a reason. It's an incredible, incredible movie. I absolutely adore it. You know, what's really funny about your top number one pick is that it, uh, it's actually my topic for, uh, my, um individual segway nice segue uh when harry met sally is uh not how they met but the relationship they have after they become friends when they finally open up is the perfect example of my wife and i's relationship she is uh (laughs) i like how this is funny i love you jamie but this is funny in the way that he even tells her you're high maintenance yep. in the movie you know yep. you're high maintenance well, she's why like, am i high maintenance picky, i want to i want exactly picky she's eating picky. and whatever yeah picky eating yeah. you know there's a story and, um that um it like it's based off of, like how nora efron would order and oh, yeah. she was on a plane one time and uh like had this really particular order about her like on flight meal or whatever and the stewardess goes have you ever seen when harry met sally you remind me of this person (laughs) yes but i'll like it on the side and then i'll take that and i'd like but i'd like it on the side yep you you got lots of things on the slide yeah lots of lots of things on the side yeah uh no I, i i totally agree with everything you said on that that's uh Billy Crystal and um, Meg Ryan, they become these two just overwhelmingly likable characters. Uh, Billy Crystal, um, you know, he becomes, uh, I mean, when you watch it for the f- for the first time in a long time, and we, Jamie and I have watched this movie extensively. We love When yep. Harry Met Sally. Yep. And, uh, you know, when you, when you meet Harry for the first time, he is, he really is. You can put yourself in Meg Ryan's place and say, this guy is really annoying. Like yep. <laughs> I wouldn't want to drive from Chicago to New York with this dude because exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, spitting grapes, asking me about my sex life. Like yep. who is this guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. But in the end you, it's, it's that same turning point when you said it's when he becomes, when he becomes divorced from his wife, he hits reality face first. Oh my God. Um, His face when they're like in that store and they're doing the karaoke and then all of a sudden he just like stops like his face when he sees her is like, you feel it. Like he does such, such a good job in that scene. Like you can tell what happened before you see it. Right. Because it's the, the shot is just his face and you could tell he sees his ex-wife. Yeah. And I, you know, it, I think it was Rob Reiner's purpose not to ever show her until that moment too. Yep. You never see her until that moment. And you have the same reaction that he does. Like, oh, my God, this is the woman he has been talking about for the last 20 minutes in this movie. 
And I don't even know what she looks like. And there she is standing with this other man. That, yeah, used to be with that scene yeah. is so crazy, too. I actually thought about this when I watched that scene. And this kind of, again, goes into your topic of, like, relating to these movies and somewhat. Like, when he meets her uh, boyfriend, whatever it is at the time, I had an ex-girlfriend who actually started, like, dating somebody that I kind of knew. And I like ran into them at a bar once and I had to like, obviously I'm like being cordial and like, you know, (laughs) had to do that awkward, like, Hey, how are you? Handshake and be respectful, but also was like, fuck, this is so uncomfortable and (laughs) awful right now. But like, you know, you're just, your social norms. You have to be like a polite person. Absolutely. So it's uh yeah, super relatable movie. Like I said, um, we'd be remiss without mentioning I'll have what she's having, which is, I think in, uh, like, AFI did, like, the top movie lines. It has to be up there um, yeah. for sure. Well, absolutely, yeah. I, think, I mean, people go to that restaurant and do that just to Yeah, I think there's, like, the, it. it's uh, it's Katz's Deli in New York. It's on East Houston Street. Um, there's a plaque that is on that, like, table that they had. So it was Meg Ryan's idea to f- do that and film it in a cafe or a diner, whatever it is. But it was Billy Crystal's line. He suggested that the person says, I'll have what she's having. So, <laughs> Well, that sounds like classic like Billy Crystal humor, right? Like there. I said, like quick-witted, snarky. Like he's always, exactly, always exactly. got an answer for it. So, uh, yeah, When Harry Met Sally was ranked number six on AFI's list of the ten greatest films in the romantic comedy genre. Um, but I think if you look at like most of those lists, you'll see this at the top of nearly every single one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I totally agree with that. This is, this is by far one of my favorite romantic comedies. It's one that is on our list to watch uh, constantly yeah. and uh, is a total rewatchable. You can yeah, watch yeah. this one. Yeah. It's really, times. it's a really short movie too. I think it's like barely 90 minutes. Um, it's like you said, super rewatchable and yeah, I love it. If you haven't seen it, um, don't, have the idea that I did that it's this cheesy gimmicky romantic comedy. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with those. Like, listen, I had some cheesy gimmicky. Ro- I had the freaking proposal on my list. Like, Oh yeah. There's I mean, room for those like types them. of movies. This is not it. This is, it's a, you know, it's a real life. It's just a good movie. Yeah. Real life, real movie. It's great. This will, this will hang with you afterwards. For sure. I always love those movies that hang with you afterwards. For you're, sure. You're cooking dinner and you go, God, that was a good movie. God, that was so good. Yeah. 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 Oh God, yep. that was so good. Completely agree. I think we should have a whole episode just dedicated to. Yep. God, that was a good movie. Yep. That <laughs> we could make those top five lists for sure. I definitely oh, absolutely. have those. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so your topic kind of drifted into Harry Met Sally. Do you have anything? It else did. To, to... Thank you for setting me up on that. By the way. Yeah, that for sure. Perfect. Anything else to add there on yours or no? No, I think that's. I think we're good. I think yeah, we touched all of the Harry, and all, a little bit of the little Sally. bit of the Sally. Um, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> that was. We'll probably cut that out. Uh, so I wanted to talk about. We touched about it a little bit. Um, just like the evolution of romantic comedies and right, and, right. and how you define the genre. So like looking at these lists, there was a bunch of movies that I didn't include that I love. Um, I think you and I were pretty close on like what we defined as romantic comedies when we went through it. Right. We didn't, uh, we'll touch base before these episodes, but we won't ever 
tell our list before. No, no, it's complete surprise. All of us. Yeah, I mean, there there'll probably be some episodes where we like define rules. Like, uh, we our next episode is gonna be sequels, right? So I think we have to define like what we're defining as that. You know, it can be the second or third in a movie, whatever, right? But this we really didn't, and I think rightfully so. We kind of let each other define the genre and the way we see it. Um, I had a really tough time leaving some movies out. Um, I agree. I agree. I did too. So you look at all of these lists and um, a a couple ones that I saw in a bunch that I left out because I didn't really define them as uh, romantic comedies. The number one one that was left out for me was forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's dude. Same. Like I actually had that on my list for a while. So, okay. It is probably the movie I've seen the most in my entire life. Um, And going back to what you said about like relating to romantic comedies, forgetting Sarah Marshall is mine after he breaks up with, with Kristen Bell and he's like drunk singing the Muppet song on the piano. That is like (laughs) when I had a bad breakup, he's at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That was totally me drinking all the time. I just so happened to get in piano all the time. So I was drinking and, I do love the Just Muppets. Just hitting that Billy Joel like yeah. super hard. <laughs> exactly. Hitting a stranger as yeah. hard as you can. <laughs> so he's... The um, song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's one of those movies that I love. I just couldn't define it as a romantic comedy. And like, yes, there's a romance element. And yes, it's a comedy. I kind of think of it as more just like a straight comedy. Like, I, I agree with that. Like, that's that's the same reason that I could not put it on a list was, but it was more comedy than romantic to me. Agree. And like this movie, and we'll talk about it later. I'm sure in a different episode is is what like I said, one of my favorite comedies ever. I've seen it more than I've seen any movie. It I quote it more than I quote any other movie. Um, and it's on all these lists. I actually talked about it with my sister last night. She's like, yeah, I definitely think it's a romantic comedy, and I just couldn't picture it the same way that i do these movies so um something about mary was another one which i love yeah yeah and kind of in the same vein we talked about wedding singer earlier some other movies Mm -hmm. i saw were 500 days of summer um Mm -hmm. clueless was a big one um which i Mm kind of define as more of like a teen comedy right honestly that was the hardest that was the hardest split for me um was it i wanted more rom-coms that have been matured or developed rather yep. than teen yeah um because i feel teen teen rom-coms are more teen than yeah romantic. i i totally agree that was kind of my thought process too like i thought about it like generational like the 80s were very like teen driven like pretty in pink say anything like those yep. times of movies and then 90s early 2000s were kind of like what i defined as romantic comedies for the most part like i didn't even include these movies obviously but you know my best friend's wedding you've got mail sleepless in seattle um like those types of movies there is some like kind of overlap in the 90s with like teen comedies like i said clueless um 10 things i hate about you she's all that like those types of movies i Mm -hmm. think are Mm -hmm. romantic comedies but there's this like teen comedy element it's too teen too teen too teen agree Um, yeah, because I love 10 things I hate about you. I think that that's a, that's yeah. a great, but I would put it in a teen genre before I would put it in a romantic. Comedy. You know, what's crazy about that movie is it's a remake of a Shakespeare play. I did not know that. Yeah. That's Taming crazy. of the shrew. It's like a reimagining of Taming of the shrew. Oh my God. How have I not ever connected? Isn't that, that? wild? 
um wild but it makes a lot of sense now yeah i love that movie too i think it makes it even better to hear that and say that heath ledger was in it just because i i see him as like this shakespearean yeah i I love heath ledger i love him and just like he's such a shakespearean actor to me like i feel like he could be across the board so the fact that he's in this teen movie that's based on the shakespeare play like (laughs) Yeah, he's he's uh, he's one of those ones. It's like you would imagine the roles he would be playing now. It was just, I think, the anniversary. Yeah, he died January twenty second in two thousand eight. So it was just the anniversary. That was so sad. I remember seeing that. Yeah, it was. That was devastating. Shocking. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. One of his like most infamous scenes is in a silly movie like that. uh, Ten things I hate about you. Uh, Is it the um, where he sings? Oh yeah, yeah. On the, I love yeah. you, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love you, baby. And no, it is so quite alright. Yeah, that is. I can't. It's funny though because I get the two like not another teen movie, and yeah. like all yeah. these teen movies like scenes that. Not a, like not another awesome. teen movie is. Uh, uh, we're going yeah. off on a tangent here, but I think it's really funny. I think it's like the I those parody movies are really stupid, like the scary movie movies and all that. I actually think not, uh, not another teen movie is very funny, and it's Chris Evans, which is hilarious to think about. I know, and he, he does a really good job of playing that like yeah, overly douchey hyped jock, douchey jock yeah. man. The only line I can think of in that movie is like he's like looking at the girl. It's kind of like she's all that, and he's like, "Oh, and she has yeah. glasses." Ugh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he looks at that picture in the hallway, and it's like him looking at the picture. Him and, looking at him. And looking him, at him. Looking at him. Looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. I do like that movie. Um, I do. I do. Because so, well, you know, I mean, you think about like our age group. This was two thousand and one. Yeah, this came out. Yeah, what had just come out like over the last two years, we had been bombarded with these like OO teen movies that just came out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like I mean, think about all of them: like Breakfast Club, American Pie, Cruel Intention. She's all that. Can't hardly wait. Like, (laughs) like all of these. Yeah, they really push those in front. Like even like the scary movies, like uh, like. I know what you did last summer, like, you know, scary yeah. in quotes, like yeah, yeah. all those, it was just like teen, 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 like teen, teen, teen. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just overall, I, I, I was glad, not glad, but like, you know, interested to see how you defined it. And I think we were pretty close in, in how we define the genre. Um, you know, modern ones I think have evolved too. where like, um, always be my maybe was on a lot but i even thought of like even different movies like there's this movie called sleeping with other people that was on the list i don't know if you've seen that i haven't seen it but i i have heard of it yeah, yeah it's uh it. jason sudeikis and allison brie and it's yep. like very they have a lot darker tones in these movies um they're romantic comedies at heart but like darker tones which i think is um you know the more modern ones um certainly crazy rich asians was kind of in that realm right. too um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how they've evolved in, in, in what people define as them. But for me, I think of romantic comedies and I think of, um, so Lauren and I, it didn't make my list. 
Um, but we watched, <laughs> we watched, uh, she loves this movie. It's called while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock as well. I, yes. And oh my God. Like, I thought about this one. <laughs> that movie is what I think of as like, it's romantic comedy one oh one. Like just the opening credits are, this will be an everlasting love. <laughs> and like, there's, there's right, right. cheesy, like jazzy piano. Like there's oh, one yeah, scene where, one scene where Sandra Bullock like slams, like opens a door and hits the guy in the face and then they like look at each other and there's like jazzy piano playing like did harry connick jr do the soundtrack because it has so harry connick jr definitely uh, is he harry he does one of these movies i just watched it's either harry like it's not a romantic comedy if you don't have louis armstrong or harry connick jr like you need at least once in there somewhere yeah exactly for sure well you know when harry met sally it was all just jazz yeah it was just these jazzy like yeah i wish i had like the the sound of the like jazzy piano that plays during while you were sleeping it is uh (laughs) it's yeah that's the ultimate rom-com that's exactly what i think of and um it's a good movie it didn't make my list it's very very cheesy but um again sandra bulk bias um really liked that one lauren loves it so i'm i'm really surprised uh that you didn't put miss congeniality so i i want to hear your i i don't think it's a romantic comedy i think that's more like that movie's just so much about her and like the like any like romance is kind of secondary you know what i mean i agree i agree um well definitely honestly i feel like the main theme of that movie was to take the kind of the impression you get of miss america yep and and turn it on its edge yeah i feel like in a way that's kind of what they were trying to prove because there's so many plot points in that movie where they they recognize that these women are more than just you know yep. things for us to judge up yep. on the stage yep. So, yeah yep that's a that's a really good movie um plus you can't beat michael Caine as like <laughs> the, a feminine <laughs> can't be michael kane period no you can't yeah. <laughs> really not uh yeah i mean we're definitely gonna do a sandra bullock episode i mean my dog is named after a sandra bullock character i have a dog named annie from speed so <laughs> she's basically my female tom cruise um that's great yeah they got to do a movie together i know they really should i think my head would explode It'd be too much for you, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think you'd just be like, "All right, well, that was it. My life." Was throw done. throw in Chalamet as supporting, and then it's just over. <laughs> it's just over. <laughs> I don't know if those three working together would actually. I know it could be thing. the worst movie of all time. Like I would just admittedly be so biased about it and love it. Uh, it's like mixing hot sauce and peanut butter yeah. or something together. I don't yeah. know if it would work. It may, but if you like both of those enough, it'll you'll find a way yeah. to make it work. Uh, so we'll end the episode. We're going to do, uh, we're calling it bottom of the barrel, um, bottom of the barrel because, uh, this podcast is called cocktails and scenes. We thought we'd throw in a cheesy pun and bottom of the barrel. (laughs) So it's going to be our worst of, um, so we're going to talk about our worst romantic comedy. Um, Wayne, you want to go first? I totally can. Um, so this movie, I think I saw it on a lot of lists is why I had to bring it up. Um, yeah, we talked just talked about generational gaps in these rom coms and how yeah as we get further along um with the more kind of uh 
tailoring to different audiences and taglines and needing to define things to an umph degree, this movie can be considered many different genres. But yeah, um, I did see it a lot on Ron Combs, and it is uh, Nick and Nora's ultimate playlist. Ooh. And I cannot stand this movie. I think it is awful. I think that it's oversexed teens. Yeah. In a. <laughs> This in movie a does suck. very just yeah. nondescript kind of storyline that is just it's just taking all the parts of things that teens enjoy music, going to clubs, yeah. going to see their local band. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is my new playlist and yada yada yada, and taking that to the umph degree and plug it in with two at the time very up and coming actors uh yeah. Kat Dennings and, and uh Michael Sarah who were at the time very up and coming actors so. so I'll say that I think Sarah sucks I think he's good as <laughs> as George Michael Bluth in Arrested Development and super exactly. bad super bad where he's essentially playing George Michael Bluth like he's essentially you, the same guy right exactly yeah it's, it's just like we talked about you yeah. the role fits the actor rather than the actor fits oh the role. and Juno where he's essentially playing George Michael Bluth again like dorky like you know mm-hmm. he's he's so one-dimensional um so if if the movie isn't like the script isn't halfway decent he just he sucks and yeah I agree it's a totally horrible horrible movie um totally plays into all the cliches that you talked about oh yeah let's go to the underground club and listen yeah, to this the underground indie club. band and yeah yeah i'm wearing my jacket with my sweatshirt on yeah, the inside exactly. of it my suit coat you know yeah cat dennings is uh I, I don't i haven't seen her in too much i think she's annoying in that she's in the thor movies <laughs> and i actually like her in that she's annoying but she's supposed to be she's like yeah. jane foster you know natalie portman's like sidekick in the thor movies and i think she does a good yeah. job She's actually, yeah. um, we're watching the new Marvel show, WandaVision, and she's back on that, actually. Kat oh, is she really? Yeah. yeah, and she's good. She's uh, she's good in that. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think she's kind of got a little bit of annoyance to her. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. She hasn't done too much, I feel like. She, she's definitely on, like, some CBS show or something. She is. Uh, yeah. I think it's the, um, oh, man, I can't remember what it is. I'm on her. Two, two, two broke girls. Two broke girls. Broke girls. Yeah. They're not angry. They're broke. They're broke. But maybe they're angry. They're angry and broke. broke. They broke. Know. They broke, but also really upset. It's funny. I'm just looking at her IMDb, and she's in. <laughs> there's a two broke girls spectacular Super Bowl commercial that she is. <laughs> <laughs> I think she hit her just epitome of being an actress when she was in um, – 40 year old virgin and <laughs> she played the oh, like the, the daughter that yeah. like yeah yeah the daughter that just like oh my god my yeah. mom's dating like oh uh, gross, uh, yeah. gross what are you yeah. doing i forgot yeah, that was okay. her yeah like when you get older it's just like yeah this this is what happens she walks into the room and he's got like a million condoms and she's like how many <laughs> times do you guys do it oh my god yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you're like i yeah you know what like wait till you get to this age and you figure it out yeah like, <laughs> i'm on the upside of 40 i'm almost there so <laughs> i can relate yeah she's uh yeah she's she's uh an interesting one she's i'm looking at her imdb she had like a hulu show that i guess she did after two broke girls ended um but uh yeah i agree i think that movie's trash yeah agreed and i agree with you on michael Sarah. i haven't seen anything 
that other than the angsty teen. Yeah. Um, I love him. I love so. super bad. I love Juno. I love arrest development and he's good in all those, but it's, I mean, he's the same role. Right. Oh, I'm awkward. And you and, s- uh, it, I know. And you can, yeah. you can definitely take yourself out of that. Yeah. If you try hard enough, like if, you if you're really good enough. Yeah. If you're good enough, because yeah. let's talk Jonah Hill. Yeah. Like Jonah Hill is Amazing. Jonah Hill like, fucking rules. Like, yeah, you look at those two guys in Superbad. Jonah Hill could have easily been the fat, chubby, like, kid in every movie. He did. And I mean, he was – the roles he's done after that have just been phenomenal. The guy is a great actor. Yeah, he's like, such a good actor. Oh, my God. Like, Moneyball, uh, Wolf Moneyball. of Wall Street. I just watched like, that. Yeah, yeah Moneyball's Wolf great. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's a good actor. I really like Jonah Hill, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so my worst movie, I kind of touched on it a little bit before. It's actually the same director as The Proposal, um, <laughs> and it is 27 Dresses. Ooh. I, All right. Oh, so this one's going to sting. Let's do it. Uh, you like this movie? No, I don't. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I like to – I was hoping like you did. You. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't like this movie. This is – I think if we were to talk, like, as far uh, – it's far to the side of like movies that I don't like. Like, yeah. this is probably one of them. Yeah, it is so, so bad. So, I, this is a movie like, listen, I'm not going to be like this total macho guy who won't watch romantic comedies, but this is one that I did not want to watch and watched with an ex girlfriend. Just one that I, if it gets too far like into this realm, it's just not for me and I have no desire to watch yeah. it. Watch it with an ex girlfriend. This movie sucks and Katherine Heigl is fucking terrible in it and she's just fucking <laughs> terrible in general she's awful she's so unlikable. i feel like the i feel like the two main characters were not well uh it, well cast in, she, in my opinion it's it, she's i've never seen her be good in anything besides i guess you can say knocked up she's she's good in she's fine um because it plays to her strength which is being a I'm bitch somebody, all the time yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I was knocked up. I don't, you know, want yeah. to get a shmush motion. Yeah. And I want to, you know, it, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. It's so bad. I love James Marsden. He's the male lead in it, but he's awful in it. He's a really good actor. I actually really like him, but terrible in it. Everything is unlikable about it. And number one is her like it, you can't have a romantic comedy and have an unlikable lead character you need that sandra bullock julia roberts who you just adore and root for like i was just yeah. hoping that this girl got her heart broken over and over again. <laughs> you were hoping just, for the exact opposite yes just everyone be an asshole and uh, yeah, yeah yeah it was it was so bad um and it's this is like i saw it probably when it first came out so this is probably like 15 years ago maybe it came in right let's see 13 years ago 2008 and i obviously will never watch it again but it's still stuck in my mind how dumb this movie was how <laughs> awful i have a pure hatred of of katherine heigl now because of, yeah of this and she hasn't um I don't know. She doesn't do much. I, no, I she hasn't done much in. after after uh, knocked out twenty seven. She had a stint in romantic comedies for a little while, and then that kind of yeah. It looks fell like off. mostly just TV shows now. She was she was on Grey's Anatomy for a while. She did a show called State of Affairs. Did a show. Mm. She was on the show Suits. I've never seen it, but um, yeah, it looks like really 
Um, the last movie I can see her in that she completed was a movie called The Nut Job 2, colon, <laughs> colon Nutty by Nature. So um, That sounds like a real winner. Yeah, you get what you deserve, Catherine Heigl. You well, suck. I mean, yeah. yeah. It yep. just happens. So, Catherine Heigl, you are my bottom of the barrel. Wow. And, uh, God... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Michael, Sarah, you're the bottom of my barrel. <laughs> yeah, as you know, we can um, you know praise our love for Sandra Bullock and Chalamet. We will shit on Sarah and uh, Catherine Heigl just as hard the other way. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wish you the best, but I hated your movie. <laughs> yeah, movie sucked. All right. Yeah. All well, right, cool, man. It's a good place to wrap up. Um, yeah. I know next episode we're going to be talking about movie sequels. So, um, Woo. again, for the tens of you listening, that'll be something to look forward to. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. A lot on my mind there. A lot of good ones, a lot of bad ones, um, yeah. a lot to sort through, but I'm um, looking forward to it. 